Hi and welcome once again to our daily devotional podcast. We're going to read a very long passage today, but it's well worth reading or listening together because it contains important principles that God has for our outreach. And so do bear with me as I read this passage. And let's ask God to help us to understand and to learn principles from Him. Let us pray. Father, speak to us. Speak to us your truths. That God, even as you send us forth to minister, we may minister as your ambassadors, as your children, and that we may minister with power and with authority. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn now to Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 to 42. Jesus called his disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits, to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First Simon, who is called Peter and his brother Andrew, James son of Zebedee and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at the house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly I tell you, it will be more honourable, for bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard, you will be handed over to the local councils, be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and the father his child, children rebel against the parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, Flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like the teachers and servants like the masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, the prince of devils, how much more the members of his household. So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, 
or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. Even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies will be the members of his own, own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up that cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes me, who welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever comes welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives you a, even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus has just sent his disciples out to minister for the first time. I believe that some of the things that Jesus told his disciples more a projection of what would happen to them years later as after Jesus had resurrected, and it was not in the present moment. And yet Jesus probably wanted to give them a mouthful to help them to expect certain things and help them to behave in a certain way. The first thing that Jesus told them was that he, they should not go to any of the Gentiles, but they should go rather to the lost sheep, in verse 6, lost sheep of Israel, and there proclaim the kingdom of heaven, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, basically to minister to the lost sheep of Israel. We know that later on, Jesus, the gospel was to go out to the Gentiles as well. But for now, Jesus wanted the gospel to be restricted to the Jews. In fact, he was so strict about it, he said, do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Why? Why only the Jews? The Jews were God's chosen people, not so much to be blessed alone, but the Jews were God's chosen people to be a beacon of light to the nations, to the Gentiles. God had chosen the nation of Israel to display his love for them to, as a model to show what God is like. For the people of Israel, you see, God's word does not just exist in a vacuum. God cannot just say something and then expect people to believe, but rather God's word and God's nature is witnessed through the life of the faith community. Israel was that faith community, and the knowledge of God had to be seen in the life of this faith community. 
The Gentiles would look at Israel and say, indeed, this is God. But Israel had gone far from God. Many had lost their, lost their zeal. Others had lost their way. And Jesus wanted, before he could bring the gospel to the Gentiles, he wanted first to minister to the people of Israel, to bring them back alive, to help them live again. That as many as would believe in him would be witnesses of him to the Gentiles. When Jesus brought the gospel, the kingdom of God, to the Jews, what he wanted was that some of these people of Israel would respond to him, and in responding, <clears throat> they would demonstrate who God is. There is a parallel in our church, Agape. Agape wasn't just given a name frivolously. It was given a name Agape because God wants this church to display God's love to the people. It's not about preaching to people. It's about living out our lives in this faith community, in this church, so that when people see what this church is and how this church receives God's love and responds to God's love, that those around will also believe in God. And many were called to be in Agape in the early days. Many joined Agape with zeal in their hearts, with a purpose, with a dream, with a calling. They wanted to reach out to the community in Jerome. But over the years, many have left. Some because they had other choices at other churches, others because of conflict or discouragement. Some left for other churches, others left the church altogether. But God wants to do his work first among those in the church. He wants to minister first to those in this church. One of our first tasks then is to build up our community that remains with us. Some of you may also know others who may have left the church, maybe haven't gone to church for a long time, or could even have gone to other churches. It may be a good time to call some of them back, whoever wants to come back, to come back and then to be ministered to by God. Jesus told his disciples, go to the lost sheep of Israel and then minister, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, do all the powerful things to display God's love for them. I believe that this is a time too when God wants to display his love to the people in Agape. Some still here, some others have left temporarily. But the first group of people that we minister to, before we even go out to, to work in, to do the harvest in the community is to come and minister to the people in agape itself. And so for me, my first priority are the members of Agape Methodist Church. I want us to be so strengthened, to, to know God so much, so deeply that the fire burns in our hearts, to know that we have a real God, a powerful God, a God love and we want to experience this for ourselves 
before we even go out to reach others. Secondly then, but Jesus was not Jesus was not naive about it. Although he asked his disciples to reach out to the lost sheep of Israel, he knew that in doing so they would receive, they would encounter much opposition. And opposition from their families, opposition from the leaders of their religion. In verse 21, says, Brother will betray brother to death. Father, his child, children will rebel against their parents, have them put to death. And then it says on verse 18, um, verse 17, Be on your guard, you will be handed over to the local councils, be flogged in the synagogues. So there were two groups of opposition. One was the own people, the home, the home environment. There would be rejection and there would be even violence. The second was among the leaders of the faith community. Two types of opposition. I would say very much more about this. Just that know that when you face opposition, it's not because God has left you. It's not that you have disobeyed God. It's not that God is punishing you. It's simply what Jesus already predicted. That as you start to minister, there will be rejection. There will be people who will want the old paradigms and refuse to accept a life of grace. Let me just give you one example. There was this uh, prisoner that I spoke of a few times, the one who, Eric, the one who saw Jesus just before his execution. See, Eric was among the prisoners, the worst, really the most violent, the most angry, the most profane. He, he picked a fight with every prisoner around him. Well, they couldn't have physical fights, but he had quarrels with every prisoner. He screamed and shouted and ranted at every guard, and no one dared to go near him. As I spoke with Eric, I knew in his heart that he wanted God. And so I told Eric, be baptized and Eric said no I will not be baptized until I become a changed man I will be worthy of God and each time I told him Eric don't don't even bother you can't be worthy of God you need to be baptized and let God make you worthy he refused for a few months and finally as he saw his own behavior going from bad to worse he finally relented and says well then I will be baptized. But that it was then that I received a lot of objections from my fellow Christians. The objections basically were, Eric is a disgrace to the Christian faith. We baptize people who have changed, whose lives are good, whose lives are sterling, so that others seeing their lives will be inspired to follow them. But Eric is a complete disgrace to the Christian faith. We don't want to baptize him. Of course, I knew that the Bible taught otherwise, that God came to save sinners. And the worse the sinner, the more that God came to save them. And I, I said, there is no way I will not baptize him. This is a man who needs God. And if he says he wants to be baptized, I will baptize him. In the end, I baptized Eric together with my mentor. But none of the other Christians wanted to have any part in this. So on that day, as Eric was led out the corridor, 
he was he walked to the bathroom to be baptized in the midst of lots of jeering. All the prisoners were saying, "What a man to be baptized!" It seemed almost like a disgrace to Christianity. But to me, it was the embodiment of what Christ had taught that he came to save sinners. And I've never felt so proud in my life that I was baptizing a man whom the Lord received. Weeks later, God began to do a work in, in Eric's life and he became a completely changed man. But you see, when we want to walk in grace, we will face oppositions and we should not be surprised or dismayed if we do face them. But here is, are some principles in reaching out. First is to be vulnerable. To be vulnerable to others. No, that's a surprising thing, but look at verse 9. Verse 9, Jesus says, Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or staff for the worker's worth is keep. Now, Jesus wasn't saying that you must be poor. He was saying that when you go out on these journeys, do not equip yourself with many things, with the money, with clothes, all that. Just go and look for anyone who will receive you. He says, search out whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person, and stay at the house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. What Jesus then was saying was that go to a town and look for someone who will offer you hospitality, who will take you in. Now it's a very awful feeling to be vulnerable. One would rather have money. I go to town, I stay in a hotel, I buy my own food, I do my own thing. And maybe if I have some leftover money, I could give to some of the poor and then get to talk to them. It's our usual strategy. But Jesus took it the other way. Go with nothing so that you are completely dependent on the people in the town. You've got no money, no place to stay, no money for food, no money for clothes. You are dependent on the people of the town. And whichever person shows you kindness and hospitality, then stay with them and minister to them. One of the things that I've learned is that vulnerability is a very powerful tool for evangelism or for ministry. We often think it's the other way. We are the benefactors. We are the ones with the money, the resources, and the people that we want to minister to are the needy ones. And so we go and we distribute our wealth to them. We give them things that will help them with their lives. We are the ones who always give, but we are also the superior ones. What I've learned both from the Gospels, from my experience, is that the opposite is often true. When we go in vulnerability, when we go needing the help of those we have been called to reach out to, that's when we become effective. Think of it. When Jesus went to minister to the Samaritan woman by the well, he went to her and asked her, could you get me a cup of water? He was the needy one, he was the vulnerable one. And in his vulnerability, in his neediness, he started a conversation with the Samaritan woman and ended up ministering to her. 
When Jesus saw Zacchaeus, he didn't tell Zacchaeus all that he needed about that he needed Jesus desperately. Jesus did not go to Zacchaeus as someone who was superior, but rather he said, Zacchaeus, may I go to your house? Zacchaeus, I want to go to your house. It again shows a person who wanted, needed something from Zacchaeus. And that opened the door for ministry. It's a big mistake when we go as benefactors, as the ones who are superior, as the ones we have, who have the things. It would be God's strategy. Then instead we go and look for the people and express our need for them. Sometimes it could just be an admiration. Have you gone to see a woman who's very poor, wondered about her resilience, how all these 80 years living in abject poverty, she survived and she thrived? Should we go there and say, hey, you got so little money, you're such a poor woman, let me give you some of mine. I'm not going to change her, you're not going to minister to her. But if you went up to such a person and you said, Wow, I really admire you, and that's no flattery, it's real admiration. How did you survive to 80 years old and still thrive when you had so little money? When you start expressing expressing admiration and respect, wanting to learn from the other, many doors for ministry are open. While serving in prison, I learned from my mentor, Reverend Henry Koo, who never felt himself superior to the prisoners, but rather he saw them as people who were stronger, people who had things that he could learn from, the lifestyles of simplicity, the lifestyles even of honesty. Many of the drug addicts were far more honest than we are, middle class people. And Henry Koo saw goodness in them. He always started by asking if he could learn from them. I read a story of a missionary, I can't remember his name, he was called to minister to Muslims. And he started this mission organization, he tried and tried, but no, no one wanted to hear his gospel. One day in frustration, he asked God, how do I reach these people? God's answer to him was, go and learn about their religion. To his surprise though, but he tried it, he went and he started asking the inhabitants there about their faith to teach him their religion. And as he learned from them, they asked if he could teach them about his God. Showing respect, showing vulnerability, showing a dependence on others opens doors for ministry. And then Jesus continues, be wise and cautious in verse 17. He says, be on your guard, you will be handed over to the local, oh sorry, verse, verse 16, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. As shrewd as snakes, innocent as doves. We're called to be wise, to be cautious because as Jesus says in verse 17, be on your guard. These will things happen. And so let's not be naive. Let's not imagine that everyone is going to love you. Everyone's going to welcome you. That every invitation is a good one. 
be wise and look out for signs of betrayal, of signs looking out for signs of dishonesty, of traps. And yet, even when you see those things, do not return evil for evil. Do not betray when you see someone who's betrayed. This ministry is not ministry of games. You know, sometimes we think that it's pretty smart, right? He tries to betray me, I try to betray him. And we play political games with each other. Sometimes we feel even proud about it. What he tried to betray me and I managed to knock him out instead. It seems like quite a good game. But you're not called to play games with others. If we see someone trying to betray us, let's continue to act honorably. And then, as Jesus says, well, if you have to flee, then flee. But we live peaceably with each other. We live honorably, even when others act dishonorably towards us. Be wise. Know the tricks. Know the schemes. But do not return schemes for their schemes. And then, one other principle is to trust God to know what God is doing. In verse 29, Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. All your hairs of the head are numbered. God knows what he's doing and he watches over you. God is not ignorant of the suffering that you go through. Rather, God continues to watch over you. And you need to keep your eyes open for that, to see how God provides for you ways of escape, provides blessings for you even in the darkest moments. As God feeds the sparrows, God will continue to provide for you. But begin also to see how in God's plans, even your rejection, even your persecution, leads you to areas of ministry. In verse 18, Jesus says, On my account you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. Imagine these lowly, uneducated disciples. They were the scum of the earth, and yet Jesus was saying, You will be brought before governors and kings. Who gets to testify before governors and kings? Only royalty. But these were fishermen, these were small peasants, and yet they would be brought before governors and kings to testify to them. Do you know that in the book of Acts, something that we'll do in the coming weeks, Paul is said to have made three missionary journeys. But actually, Paul made four missionary journeys. The difference was this, that the first three missionary journeys were missionary journeys done on his own volition. He chose to go to places to be a missionary. The fourth was not his choice. He was brought around in chains. And yet it was the fourth missionary journey that was the most powerful of all his witnesses. He was brought before governors and kings. And before governors and kings, he testified Jesus Paul, on his own, could never have testified before governors and kings. Only when he was brought in chains to be tried, did he was, was he brought before kings and governors. 
Did he minister and testify to them? Sometimes the rejection, sometimes the persecutions, may bring you to places that may be daunting to you. But know that God, this is part of God's plan for you. God brings you there and then He says, but do not worry about what to say. Um, don't worry, um, in verse 19, when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. And these are not just times when you are brought before important people. What I've learned from my experience is that whenever people I am falsely accused or attacked for something that I did for Christ, I rest in God. I don't plan to re have a reply or be taught. I don't plan to defend myself. I pray instead, God, give me the words. Give me the words of grace. Give me the words of peace and the words of truth. And then I rest in the Spirit. As the Spirit leads me to speak the words that I write. Whenever you are persecuted, whether it is from your family, from your parents, or from others who question you, rely on God to give an answer. And God will astound you by how He guides you in your answers. You can trust God for that. And finally, stand with and welcome God's genuine servants. When you recognize a true servant of God who brings the gospel of grace, that person may be rejected by others, may be bullied, may be persecuted by others. Stand with them. Jesus says, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive the prophet's reward. Why did Jesus say this? Jesus was saying that there will be so there will be times when it will be so difficult to stand by someone who is God's servant. They will be mocked and you will be mocked along with them if you stood up for them. It could be a colleague, it could be a classmate of yours, someone who stands for Christ and has been bullied for his faith. At such times, do not join the others and mock these people. Rather, stand with them. And if you stand with them and support them and welcome them, you will receive the same reward as they do. So these are some of the principles of outreach, some of the principles of standing, ministering, allowing God to minister through you. Do take some time to read this passage again and reflect on some of these things because they contain very important principles on how to reach out. Let us pray. Father, you call us to be your witnesses. You call us to minister. I pray for my brothers and sisters that each of them will be your minister. First, to minister to those in our congregation to build a faith to heal the hearts and the bodies. 
the Father, we may learn to minister one to the other. We may learn to be concerned about each other's health and growth. The Father, indeed, Agape Methodist Church will be a church that displays, that receives experiences and displays your Agape love. And that, Lord, through the way we live, others may also know your love. Father, we ask that you will guide us and teach us many lessons. Even today, Lord, you will give us a new perspective what it means to be your witness. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you and let's meet again tomorrow. Have a good day. God bless you.